This episode 83. The whistle Owen Power last night. What'd you think? Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. I thought he did a nice job. Nothing, uh, nothing that 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 you're going to sit here this morning and go oh my god he was just absolutely incredible and he made this and he dangled this he is a calming influence back there he's a big body that's a very very good skater he made some nice plays under pressure last night um and and to think that that's his first NHL game and he's he's 19 years old he's going to be turning 20 it's fantastic. I was really, really pleased. Are you surprised at the poise? A lot of, a lot of praise about Powers poise and, you know, very calm out there. You know, I mean, I, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, I, I almost like he's, he was ready for this moment. He's played in a lot of, a lot of big moments. He's played at the Olympics. He's played world championships. He's played world juniors. Uh, he's played in college. I mean, he's experienced, you know, big time nerves before. So it's not like, uh, it's not like that playing a hockey game, you know, with that feeling is, is, you know, I guess it's not, it's not, it's not rare. Um, but it's not like it's, it's a new thing. He's done it before. It is. Um, it's the reason why I went number one overall. You don't have to look any further than this. Okay. This is a six foot six body. And usually six foot six, uh, you know, players, you know, struggle with like that coordination and everything else because they're just so big. Look at Tage Thompson. He's six, uh, six, seven. Um, it took him, you know, four plus pro hockey years before he grew into his body. Okay. Mentally, physically, everything. Now that big body with all that talent that played in the national development program is now putting, putting up statistics and, and playing at, uh, at a, at a very high level in this league. Owen power was, was a, a young man that even though he had a very big body skates exceptionally well, his vision and poise under pressure is basically what separates him in his age group above all the others, his, his size, his skating and his, his poise with the puck. He's a very calming uh, player. He's not, you know, he, he's got, he's got tremendous, tremendous upside. And I, I, I would not, it would be unfair for me to sit here right now and say, Owen power is going to be this, but because I don't even know where his upside is. Is he an offensive defenseman? I think he has abilities to play offense. I think he has the abilities to probably run a, a power play unit uh, first or second as he gets older. Um, but I mean, this, this package is, it, it's truly incredible. So it was a beautiful thing to see Darlene and power out there on the four on four. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. Just seeing two defensemen that are very mobile, big, you know, like you can't even call Darlene big when he's next to power, but Darlene's big. You Darlene's know what I mean? a very big kid. He's a big kid. You know, he's you know, six so foot three. He's 200 and probably 205 pounds. 
And he's still, he's still young. Like he is very young. Like what you need to realize is like, for an example, you, when you came into the league at 20, 21 years old, you were very different. Your body was very, very different at 25. Would you agree with that? From, yeah. From turning pro at 20 to 25, massive difference. Yeah. Like I was 190 pounds when I was, when I was uh, 20, 21 years old, 190 and when I was 25, I was uh, 200 pounds. When I was 28, 29, I was about uh, 210. So, yeah. like, the growth in, 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 a, in a player like Darlene is he's going to continue to get stronger, okay? Um, and, and Owen Power, his body frame, his size is just um, – and the way he moves – it's not normal. Like it literally is not normal for a player that size to have his skating ability. And this is, this is what separates him from, from all the other players. He, he broke up a nice two on one last night. You know, I mean, he, he got back, he was in the lane. I mean, he broke it up and I mean, it might not have been like some defensive gem of a play, but I mean, that's a, that's a, a nice moment for him to ease his mind a little bit, isn't it? You know, seeing a couple of the big guns from Toronto come flying down the wings and you got a two on one, you break it up and you go back up the ice. I mean, I don't know. I, I look at that and I think, you know, that was a big, that was a big moment for him. Cause I, when I saw that, I'm like, Oh boy, he does not need to get, you know, beat on a two on one in his first game. You know what I mean? And, and he breaks yeah. it up and I, I don't know. I just, I love what Don Granado had to say about him. Um, you know, a lot of poise with the puck, but lot, he's already played in the big moments. But I mean, I like how you say that you don't know what he's going to be or what his ceiling is going to be or what he projects to be because who does know? Cause he's not, he's not supposed to wow anybody with his offensive numbers. Is he like who, this, who? And this is where, this is where I can't tell you where he's going to be. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, coming out of his second year playing college hockey at Michigan, he played on a, on an extremely strong team, um, played 33 games this last year, had three goals and had 32 points. Those are good numbers. They're good numbers. They're not, they're not great numbers. It's not wowing me. Like a point per game in college is very good. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, when, when I think of, when I think of Owen Power, I, you know, I, I think of a guy who is your, he's basically a Swiss army knife. Okay. When you got Darlene, you knew what you were getting. You, you were getting a dynamic offensive guy that does things with the puck that are going to wow you. Owen Power is not the same. Okay. I, yes, I understand that they were first, first overall picks. They are not the same. Owen Power is a Swiss army knife. It's the only way for me to describe him. He is a Swiss army knife. He has multiple, multiple gadgets in his toolbox that are going to, nothing's going to wow you. It is it from what I, from what I've seen in, in his play, and what I've read about him is that he defends very well. He moves the puck 
very well. He is not overly physical, but he still uses his body well. Um, his poise with the puck is 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 excellent. Um, is he going to be a power play guy in the National Hockey League and run a number one power play? Probably not. But can he be a second uh, unit power play guy? Absolutely. He, with time, is going to have, he is going to be the most useful defenseman that we have on this team. Were you surprised by the 1950 ice time? Was like, is that more than what you thought he'd get? Or is that right around what you thought he'd get? I, I would have thought that he would have, he would have played in between 17 and 20, 17 and maybe 21 minutes tops. Um, I would I would think that they probably put him in positions where he felt comfortable. Um, and I think, you know, when you're when you have a, you know, a, a defenseman that's coming in and playing, you know, 20 minutes, almost 20 minutes a night as as a rookie they're They obviously like what they what they've seen through his practices that that uh, he's had with the team prior to his first game. And I'll tell you this, if he's playing 20 minutes now in five, six games from now, he'll be up around 22, 23 minutes. Cause they're going to, you know, you want, you want to move him in, in slow. You know, I'm sure he's going to have the jitters. I'm sure he's going to, you know, try and get acclimated and, and just feel comfortable in general. Like his, like, I can't even imagine what this young man is feeling first game in the national hockey league. And it's in your backyard. Can the we amount of family and friends and everyone else watching him? He knows this. And I'm sure that there was nerves that, I, that most can't understand. Can and we lay off him very well. Can we, and a good night for him too. Right? A little plus two, like that's a nice feeling. I mean, I know like everyone wants goals and assists and stuff, but you're playing your first NHL game and you can walk out of there as a defenseman playing 20 minutes and say you were plus two tonight in Toronto against the Leafs who are known for putting up massive numbers, by the way, Leafs over again, by the way. Um, You got to say that's a great night plus two. Can we please just leave him alone now with the interviews? You know what I mean? Can we yeah. just leave? Well, him? he's the shiny. He's the, he's the shiny, shiny new, toy. new toy. I know. But everybody's got to go through it, Petey. Everybody's got to go through it. And there's, you know, listen. I mean, he is going to be. He's a very well-spoken young man. Okay, he's a good-looking kid. He's well-spoken. He's number one overall draft pick. He is your shiny new toy. Guess what? He is going to be speaking in front of the media for the rest of his career. That's just the way it is. You think, you think Darlene was like, Oh, this is great. All eyes are on this guy. You think so? hundred percent. I think he's sitting there going, you know what? I've had four years of the spotlight, just (laughs) literally shining down on me, burning the back of my neck. And now you have this young guy that's going to take a little bit of, you know, the, the interviews, like everybody wants to talk to Darlene. He's, he's an exceptional young hockey player. He's incredible at what he does. And, and now you have a new shiny toy and it's a damn, it's a damn good one. 
So there, there is going to be some limelight um, taken away from Darlene. And I'm sure that he's going to sit there and laugh and say, you know what, I have no problem with this whatsoever. I wonder if maybe that's been the, uh, the kind of saving grace to his game, not just that, but I mean, you got Tuck coming in, Krebs coming in, Samuelson coming in, you've had Quinn come up, you know, you have cousins who's, who's now a bigger part of the team, you know, and you have Tage Thompson scoring 33, Jeff Skinner's back up in the thirties, Kyle Oposo legendary season with the Sabres tied his Sabres uh, season high with 19 goals last night. You believe that this guy's going to score 20. It's, it's amazing. But let me finish this point though, before, cause I Oposo is a, a topic of conversation in itself, but I just, all these storylines have kind of helped Darlene this year because he, he's not in the spotlight. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder, I just wonder how much of that actually helps, you know, as someone who wasn't in the spotlight, you know, what helps Darlene? The team doesn't suck. That's what helps Darlene. You have, you have, you know, with the, it's almost like in, I don't know if you feel the same way, but when that trade was made with Jack Eichel and Alex Tuck came here and, you know, got to meet the boys, got acclimated in the surroundings, the boys get to know Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs. Peyton Krebs went to the minors, played a, played a bunch of games, right? Alex Tuck was coming off an injury, okay? And it, it almost felt like, and, I, and you remember this, when Alex Tuck's first game, do you remember what I said about it? Mm, no. I said he looked really slow. Remember that? I said he looked Bags, slow, yes. but sort I'm of. like, we're looking, we're looking at a guy who just came off a knee surgery. He looked not himself and rightfully so, rightfully so. And it took him a few games to get the pace of the game. And you could see Alex Tuck cause he's so skilled. He's such a great skater and you could see his game really start to evolve. And once his game, started to take off the team here in Buffalo started to take off. I, I, I believe that I really do believe that it took a little bit of time, but when you insert a player like Alex Tuck, who literally loves wearing that Jersey loves it. He got traded from Vegas, Vegas goal and nights. Imagine living in Vegas, the taxes in Vegas. It's he was like, known as the mayor. If you get traded to Buffalo, you're not happy. You're, you're trying to slit your wrists. Like, I mean, you do not want to come to Buffalo. Well, guess what? There's one player in the league that desperately would love to come to Buffalo. And Kevin Adams, he went out and got him. And he said, I am not making this trade unless Alex Tuck is in the trade. And you bring that player in. And now you look at this team with Peyton Krebs in this lineup a 20-year-old hockey player turning 21. This, this is a kid. This is a kid who's played very, very well. Even Dylan Cousins is a young, young hockey player. What we see from Dylan Cousins right now is going to be very different in, in two years from now. You will see an explosion in Dylan Cousins' game. It, it, it's, 
this team right now, I mean, can you believe right now that they beat Toronto Maple Leafs three games in a row? No, I can't. the last time that's happened? I don't know. I don't know, but I, I, I did not, again, you know, like every night the Sabres go back and play Toronto, you know, you think, oh, Toronto's going to, you know, make them pay this time for the last time. And, you know, the Sabres just find a way to, to kick their ass again, again in their building. And it's like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I watch this team and it's just so hard to figure out what they are. And is, and again, I don't want to take away and, and I don't want to rain on the parade. I'm not trying to be negative because everything we're seeing is great. They, yeah, they had a few games there against some of the top teams, but they always seem to get up for the Toronto games. And, um, but they're getting I just, up for I just, all of them. Like you look at the games that they've actually lost in the, in the last month and a half. Okay. So, so they, they go and play um, Carolina. They beat them the first game and then play them in their building in a back-to-back night. They're up two nothing. Like they were playing really, really good hockey. They let down in the third period, but this, it happens to the best teams in the league. Okay. It happens to the best. They were in that game. They were there competing against arguably a top three team in the national hockey league. They end up losing a game and you're sitting there saying, okay, you know, something that we can take away from that. They sat back in the third period. They did not push the pace. They did not attack. And they tried to cover up a one goal, um, a one goal going into the third period. You look at the next night, they go and play arguably the best team in the league in the Florida Panthers. They're absolutely on fire. And they took that team right to a one goal uh, defeat again. I mean, they're, they're, the teams that they're playing, this has been the toughest stretch I've seen in a very long time. They beat Nashville, who's one of the top teams in the West. Like it, The games that they're playing right now are not easy. They could be laying down and just saying the season's over. But I'm going to tell you, I go back to Kevin Adams. I go back to his staff. And it's like they made an incredible executive decision by not trading away any of their assets. They did not trade away players that they could have easily moved for mid-round draft picks. I know, I know, but I just, I, what my, my point was going to be there. All my point was, was, you know, and I, I don't want to fast forward too far because I'm enjoying this moment. Like, it's nice to sit down and, it was nice to sit down and watch that hockey game last night. I didn't know what to expect. I was, I was, I was nervous. I was really, I was really just not, I wasn't only tuning in for power, but my only reason or my only, uh, I don't want to say, I guess I was really just like dialing in on power. I didn't know what to expect with, with the way the team has been not playing, but the results they've been getting, I didn't know if they were going to win or lose. I had no idea. I had no idea if Matthews was going to put up four or five goals last night. Who knows? My point is next year will be the telling tale as to what we're seeing right now. You know, like you can't look too far forward and yeah, we can be happy with what we're seeing right now, but next year is going to be the, 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 the real telling tale as to what the last 
20 games have been for this team. That's the, that's the reality of it because they've been out of the playoffs for the last 20 games. You know, they, they basically been out of the playoffs all year. So but you want to know the difference between this team this year and the last seven years. They play hard every night. Well, the attitude, the right. attitude of right. finishing, a, finishing a season. Okay. What, what is your mindset for, for Darlene? What is your mindset for Dylan cousins, Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, Alex Tuck, you know, Peyton Krebs. It just goes on and on and on. Matias Samuelson, Owen Power, Yoki Haru, the entire team you're looking at. All these years, this team's not made the playoffs. Jack leaves. He has one of his epic friggin' end-of-the-year speeches. You know, he's rolling his eyes, looking at the ceiling, and you're just sitting there going, holy shit, like this, like it's doomsday. Like, I don't have a good feeling because this guy's so pissed off. These guys here on this team, number one, they love playing for the Buffalo Sabres. That's number one. That's the most important thing. Number two, they care about each other. The environment, we talk about environment. We talk about the culture. This team has been different this year that I've seen literally in 10 years. 10 years. There are seven games remaining in the season. Okay. I do have goals for these guys. I have like Tage Thompson. I want to see him get 30, get to 35. That's two more goals. Okay. Um, you know, that would put him over 60 points. What a season. That's a breakout season. I'd like to see Skinner get to 35 goals, you know, over 60 points. That'd be huge. You know, Kyle, I'd like to see Darlene get another four points, hit 50. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Olafson, it'd be nice for him to get 20, to get to 20 Kyle Oposo. He's at 42 points. Get a, get his 20th, maybe a couple more, 22 goals, 45, 47 points somewhere in there. That'd be an incredible, that'd be incredible heading into next year. You know, Dylan cousins, he's got eight more games left, play them all hit 80 games, uh, 80 games played, get four or five points, average half a point a game, on this, uh, you know, that's, a, I think that's a great season for Dylan cousins, you know, like get to 15 goals. That would be huge for these guys. You know, if Aspen could get 30 points, um, you know, Tuck's got eight more games. He's at 35 points. I'd love to see him, you know, get, get another 10 points in eight games and he can do that. See that pass he made last night, by the way, the spin pass to Thompson. Like I said today, I was on a shred what, what and here that? in Buffalo. Like, when have we seen anything like that? Well, he just plays with so much speed. Like, I mean, he, and he, he throws that puck around at top speed, you know, right on, not right on his tape, but a good goal scorer, like a, a really good goal scorer picks that up and scores that goal. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like uh, there are a lot of players in this league that, that I'm not going to say would have bobbled that puck, but might not have been able to get a good shot, good enough shot off because the pass was, I think in his feet. Right. Yeah. And so that just, that to me is another reason why Tage Thompson has taken a step in the other direction. He takes a bullet pass from across the ice, gets it to his forehand and gets a shot off really fast. That's elite. That's an elite scorer. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, well, I'll tell you this, um, it's going to go back to it. I don't, I don't give a shit what anyone says. I'm the only guy in all of Buffalo who basically called this 
I'm going to pat myself on the back. Go ahead. Reach, reach through your computer and pat me on the back <laughs> right now. That's two days in I'm a row, tell back to back days where we've patted ourselves on the back. No, you're right. And I did. And you want to know something? I, I, I just said to you, I was on with Shred and Reagan this morning yeah. and I actually mentioned that. I said, Craig Reve for the last three, four years or however long Tage has been here, you know, has, has been in this guy's corner and said, you got to be patient. He'll be a 25, 30 goal man. And here he is. You were right. So, you know what? I do give credit where it's I, I, I did say that he was going to score. He was going to score 25 in this, in this league someday. Cause I remember the year that he came here. Okay. In 2008, 2009 season or 2018, 2019 season, he ended up playing 65 games that year. Okay. He scored seven goals and 12 points. I remember watching him and, and no joke. When I say this, he easily could have had 20 plus goals that season. He had glorious opportunities to score that either went off the crossbar. They were like, they were right there. And I could tell his skill set is unbelievable. Like his hands and his vision are unbelievable. What he lacked was lower body strength. He's a six foot seven guy that weighed about 200 pounds, which is like not heavy. That's not heavy. Okay. And he just needed time to grow into his body. I loved what they did when they put him, they sent him down to the minors and gave him an opportunity to play lots of power play to play 20 minutes a night down in the minors. He played well in the minors. He put, he produced points in the minors, gained, gained confidence that he needed to move forward in his game. It was a very, very important opportunity for him to take advantage of, of playing in the minors and playing games. And now he's put, he's put work into himself. He's put work into his body mentally and physically and it's paying off. You're, you, we're looking at a guy. Morning, morning, let's, happy, let, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. And uh, how was Augusta? Sick. Uh, it was. Listen, I played it in 1998. I told you, and it was when it was an unbelievable experience. But um, to go there to watch the Masters is a totally different, euphoric uh, experience. Um, first of all, that place is a machine that, that, that place is, uh, you, you go in there, they, they control that whole town, the, uh, that, that Augusta national, you know, their whole corporation. And it's just a factory. I mean, you walk in as as soon as you walk in, you know, you see all the, the beautiful flowers and they have the perfect buildings all set up and then you keep, you keep walking to get in. And, and by the way, no phones, you can't bring phones. So we couldn't take pictures unless you had those little cameras, but I'm not going to bring that, you know, call when goes around. And, uh, if you run, if you run, you get your badge taken away and you get kicked out right away. If you swear and they hear you, you'll probably get your badge taken away and thrown out any, any kind of cell phone or video camera. They take your badge away. I mean, it is, there's so many rules, but it's the grass is like carpet, like everywhere, even where all the patrons walk, you know, where there's th- hundreds of thousands of people walking all day 
for four or five days, the grass is still perfect. Even after a thunderstorm like they had on Wednesday, the grass was still perfect. It was matted down, but it almost looked looked Ain't artificial. It? Yeah, artificial. <laughs> I, it was it was such an experience, man. I'm telling you, the golf was great to be able to go to different holes and watch them play the iconic, you know, the iconic 16th, the Amen Corner. Uh, being able to, uh, you know, to watch where, where, were, up where were you ponied up? Like, did you find, did you get like, uh, did you pony up to one spot or did you, were you moving around? Like, what do you do when you go to a tournament? So this one, you know, I, I was there, for, I was, I walked the grounds for four rounds. So I got the, I saw every hole, but the most, the, the place that I, that I, that I sat my ass at the most was right next to seven green. Okay, so seven green sips on top of a hill. It's a maniacal green, by the way. It's that short par four that's tucked right down the tight, tight. The hell does maniacal mean? Maniacal means it's it's like crazy. Maniacal is a is kind of like crazy, like wow, maniacal. It's um, it stems from the word maniacal? maniac. 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 It's maniacal. You're crazy. It's a crazy green. Maniacal. I no. called Riv last night at nine. JR. It's unbelievable, he, he, man. He, like, poured he, literally, he poured a bourbon the size of your start. He had a grande bourbon last night while I was chatting with him. So you have to excuse my friend today. He's a little slow. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but anyway, so we, 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 on top of the hill, you can see, you can see the players hit up to eight. You can see them approach number two, whether they're going forth green or, or not. So you can see two and you can see them hitting off a of three and they can turn around and see them teeing off of, of eight. And buddy, I'll tell you what, you want to talk about different world of golf. There's hundreds of thousands of people walking this golf course on the most difficult golf course that you'll, you'll see in in a, a long time the greens the undulations the the tightness and then have all those people there and these guys were pulling off shots that were mind-blowing to me <clears throat> mind-blowing stuff that you and i would have sculled straight across the green and knocked somebody in the head and knocked them out for sure did you um, uh did you get close to tiger at all yeah we, we followed tiger the first day you know we watched him tee off we watched him play the first hole he made an amazing par in the first hole, which kind of settled him down, made a par in the second hole, bogeyed the third hole. I don't even know how he did it. It was the shortest hole in the golf course. But the first day, he was on fire, man. I mean, he hit some shots and made some putts that were unbelievable. But you can tell, you can tell he was struggling. I mean, he almost when he walks, his left ankle almost looked it almost looks like a prosthetic foot the way he walks, right? Almost. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that his whole ankle is totally, is totally fake. It's all metal. It's either, it's just seems like it's, it's not, um, it's not his. Like, can you believe ankle. that he actually played in this tournament? No. Like, has he not played at all? He played just with Charlie in the tournament. He played with Charlie about, so he uh, hasn't played. No, no, just practice. And I'll tell you what, that is the, play the way that he played and walk that golf course guys, that walk golf course, the undulations, the Hills of this place is ungodly. And he had to walk four rounds plus practice rounds. And he gutted through it. 
I'm telling you what, by the end of Sunday, you could tell that he was hurting. He was struggling and the shoot, the scores that he did is truly remarkable, remarkable. You could, you could certainly tell in his last, in his last game on Sunday, he finished 18. And as he was walking up past the crowd, you could tell that he was, it's almost like he's trying to walk normal. Yeah, but there's just there was so much discomfort. Uh, he him. was he was yeah. trying so hard to hide his limp. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Until Big he time. got yeah. until he got literally to the clubhouse, where yeah. out came I think it was um, his kids. His kids came out and his girlfriend and a couple yeah. other people. Yeah, but yeah, I'm and, talking up by the the course. Uh, Bubba Watson came out and kind of said something yeah. to him, and you could see him walking towards Bubba Watson, and that's when he started like full on limp. You could just yeah. tell that he was in a lot of discomfort. But yeah. I'll tell you this: I will what watch. A grinder. What a warrior, I will watch man. Tiger Woods play this game and not play nearly to his level. Because I, he's just captivating. He is, yep. without question, the most captivating uh, golfer. Ever, he looked. Like, he looked like he, he looked like senior PGA Tiger yeah, the other day. You, you know, yeah, like I mean, I hate though? to say that, and it's 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 hard to to look. It's, it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch him in in that condition. You know what I mean? Yeah, he he hit some shots that were so incredible. Some chip shots. Some clutch shots. Now listen, this, he teed off. And what I, I mean, it was such an awesome tribute to Tiger. He stepped up on the first tee box and I swear to God, they were 15 deep around the entire hole, like from tee box to green, all waiting for Tiger, 15 deep, trying to get a glimpse of him playing. And it stayed that way every hole. So the whole, the whole group followed every hole. If you had to, if you had to, to see him, you had to get someplace early and literally knock over people to try to, you know, steal their spot to try to even get a glimpse. So many people followed Tiger for four days, and every single time he came down the hole, people stood and clapped for him. Every single hole, every single day, and it was such. I don't. I mean, if I was Tiger, he has to feel pretty damn good about himself at the reception that the fans at Augusta gave him this week. It was yeah. truly an unbelievable, inspiring, and just a great, great sports moment, I think. I, I think Tiger Woods could probably be uh, charged, you know, with murder, and people are still going to applaud him on the golf course. <laughs> I, I don't I, – I'm dead serious when I say that. Only, I mean, only, only him and Donald Trump. Like, right. he, he would only be, he would, he would, I still think that that golf fans would, would love him. I honestly feel like tiger can, can do no wrong. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but yep. Hey, you know, it is what it is. Have you been following any of the hockey leafs? Hold on. I gotta, I gotta oh. end my master's, uh, chat. I have yeah, one, me. I have one issue with the masters. What's that? There needs to be a BB gun that's going to shoot the damn bird that's that's literally singing no in the backswing no of everything. There's no birds. Okay. There's no birds. You no, can't hear. What no, do you mean there are no, no birds? There are no birds. You, so have Augusta, you not watched? So, did you not watch the Masters? Okay, let, 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 me, let me inform it's, you. It's I'm like a, glorious. I'm There's I'm birds. I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to teach you something, Riv, because it's very funny that you said that. So... 
they have Augusta has a, a has a like a swarm of of falcons that they have that kind of peruse the peruse the the grounds really up high. They eat all of the all the critters. There is no squirrels. There are no rabbits. There are no chipmunks, and there are no birds around Augusta National. Those sounds that you hear of the birds are microphones and they pitch those in of the birds because there are no animals on Augusta. God forbid if a bird flies over and shits on the green because then Augusta will shit. There are no pine cones on the ground. If a pine cone hits the ground, here comes a superintendent, picks up the pine cone. There are no, I was there for five days. I saw Two birds fly within the Augusta grounds. Two. So all those, and it's known that they pitch those bird sounds from the trees through little microphones to make it, to make that, that nature sound. But no, there are no birds. There are no rabbits. There are no squirrels. There is no living. By the way, the only thing that really is out there are bees. Because of all the because of all the all the flowers, flowers, yeah, that is it. So there's your there's another Augusta um, tidbit for you. All right, I'm actually no birds. I'm, How do you not have birds? How I'm, do you not have birds? I'm sitting here oh. listening to you, and I'm like, is this guy fucking nuts or what? That's there's no I'm birds. Like, what do you mean? There are trees. There have to be birds. <laughs> and that's then I'm, how, re- hey, that's, I'm that's reading how this powerful. That's how powerful Augusta is. They even keep birds out of their out of their land. Riv, there's an article in in Golf Digest, and it says Masters 2022 solving the mystery of Augusta's or Augusta National uh, solving the mystery of Augusta National's missing birds. And then he goes on to say there are also no birds, squirrels, insects, or any other living creature uh, on planet Earth at the Masters. Nothing. Wow. They're the only, they're the only organization in the world that has figured out how to keep varmints and critters and flying, uh, flying things out of the, the grounds of Augusta. You know, what? It's, it, it, it's like, it day so, one. it's so hard to get on. Not even animals can get on that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that, uh, well, that's, that's good to know, JR. You just basically ruined my master's experience, but, um, well, Riv, were you, I'm watching the masters. I had no idea this is happening. So I'm watching the masters and I'm just like, Oh my God, look at this place. It's so beautifully manicured. You got the birds chirping in the background. Like what a, it almost makes me want to golf. You know what I mean? Like when I see this, well, it's irritating then, because there's no, there's no divot. Like you have all of these players that are playing and there's no bloody divots in the middle of the course. It should be, you know, beat the nothing. shit. And then all of a sudden day one, I sit down, I'm, you know, walking for a couple hours and I'm thinking, you know, I'm hearing these bird sounds every <laughs> time a guy makes a shot and I'm sitting there. What a peaceful experience. Like this is truly amazing. By, by Sunday, I'm like, can you shut that fucking bird up? Like it is like, it, I've, I've had enough of this bird and it's, he must be following the camera around or something because it's like, it's Oh my God, camera. what is going it's on? Ca- it's the same camera. It's the same bird that you hear it all the time. It's the yeah. Same microphone, same anyway. microphone. It's pretty cool. All right. No living creatures at, at, at Augusta. Awesome. 
I love it. I love it. Funny. Yeah. So, so I, uh, you know, Sabres played the Leafs last night. There's also some, uh, there were also some scoreboard games we got to talk about with some ramifications in the West, but, um, Leafs played the Sabres last night in Toronto. Uh, Owen Power played his his first NHL game last night. Riv and I were saying, like, how do you play this kid in his first NHL game in Toronto, in his hometown? Like, could you put him in more of a pressure situation? I think that's the best best way to put him in. Put him in, put throw him right into the fire, throw him right into this, right in front of his fans, right in front of his family, right in front of everybody. See how the kid how how he performs. I mean, if he goes out and plays a good game, you know, in, in a very truly exciting situation and atmosphere like that, um, you're going to learn a lot about him really quick. I, I, the, the tougher the situation sometimes is, is a good way to, to have a good barometer of, of, of a young kid and how he's going to handle himself. So I didn't watch the game. I don't know how he played, but um, I did watch the score. Uh, again, Buffalo continues to impress the shit out of everybody, beating pretty much everybody that they play against right now. And, uh, you know, it's nice that they get some young players in there. You know, they're going to get a high draft pick now. There's a lot to be excited about. If you're if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan right now, I don't know what the attendance is. Riv, have they come back in the last couple of games to support the way they're playing? Um, well, Jack Eichel, the Jack Eichel game basically set the fan base back into a frenzy. Okay, it was, um, you know, I think there was probably maybe 12, 13,000 people. Um, and from there, they have gradually gotten, gotten better attendance. The, you know, RJ night was, I mean, it was next level. It was completely packed. And I'm going to tell you, the, the fan base here have not been happy. This is the first year in a long time that we have seen the Buffalo fan base basically say that we are really not pleased with the product that we're watching on the ice. And, you know, at the start of the year, the Sabres struggled and and the fans didn't show up. They said, we're done. We've had enough. Um, And uh, so right now, fast forward a number of months, this team right here is a very, very likable hockey team. Okay. It's right from team. it's the same team that was not a likable team early in the year, which no is crazy. I, no, that's not that's not true. Um who, who, how much how much have they changed in terms of their roster? Yeah, it was Riff. Yeah, it was true. They had a good start, but then they had a really long bad lull where we were, we were ripping on them pretty hard actually for. Okay. So for was Casey time. Fitzgerald, just let me ask you a question. Was Casey Fitzgerald in the, in the, the lineup at the start of the year? No. Okay. What about Matias Samuelson? Nope. And Yoki Haru was injured and we saw Colin Miller, Will Butcher, Mark Pissick. Well, where are those guys now? Out of the lineup. They're out of the lineup. Did we have Alex Tuck? No. Did we have Peyton Krebs? Did you have nope. Zemkis Gergensen? No. Nope. So there was a large number of players that were not in the lineup. Now they are. Now, now this team is playing. Like th- that line of Cage Thompson, Alex Tuck, and, and Jeff Skinner 
is a number one line in the National Hockey League. You have Tage Thompson's got 33 snipes. You've got Jeff Skinner's got 31. You've got um, Alex Tuck. Let me look him up here. In, in 43 games, has 35 points. I mean, this is a number one line. They're playing, they're playing very, very well. This team is not the same as what it was at the start of the year. So they are likable. They are likable. You're starting to see players that are, they look like they're having fun. They're playing for each other. Like where was the last game um, in Florida? It's a big scrum at the end of the game. I can't remember who got smoked, but first guy in there was Dylan uh, Rasmus Dahlin. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. Just absolutely yeah. getting after it. This is our superstar, you know, puck moving defense. Another big he's game the, last night. He's another got a, he's got a yep. huge set of balls on him. He's the most physical defenseman that we have. He's the nastiest defenseman that we have. And 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 you're starting to see these guys care for each other and this is a team and now you're watching a team that has these young players that are playing at you know a high level of hockey and then you got the guys like Kyla Poso who's just like I mean he's playing fantastic awesome. he's a great by the way great that's a great that's a, that's a great um I think a great comment because if anybody ever met Kyle Poso as a person and know the, the, the struggles that he's gone through mentally and, you know, with his, you know, with depression and all that stuff and the things that he's gone through for him to come back and have a year like this makes me so happy. I feel so happy for Kyle Poso because he's the ultimate fucking grinder yep. and he works and he's the ultimate team guy. So good for, uh, for bringing him out, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm glad I mean, to see Skinner. I'm glad to see Skinner bounce back from a terrible year. There, earn, his, but, earn his money. You can go through a lot of guys in this team that are are going to be taking their game to the next level. You have Tage Thompson. Jeff Skinner has been a the only the only year that he's been shit in his entire career are the two years that he played under uh, um, Ralph Kruger, which is absolutely mind boggling. I said it every single time. I'm like, what are we doing with a nine million dollar player playing on the fourth line in between Curtis Lazar? And Riley Sheehan, who's not even in the league anymore. Like, how is this guy even on this line? Yeah. Mind-boggling. Just yeah. truly, truly mind-boggling what happened. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, in Buffalo, that time. Buffalo deserves it. Buffalo deserves it. I hope they keep going. I hope they have a good season and go off. You know, you know, we always talk about Buffalo. I want to talk about one thing that, which is unbelievable, which is a lot of fun to watch, is the 50 goal scorers that we got going this year. Like if you would have told me that Chris Kreider was going to score 50 goals this year, I would have given you every single dollar that I had to my name. It would, there's no way I would have thought. Cause he's Chris never Kreider even come 50. close, right? Not even close. And you know, this kid, and we're going to have, what are we going to have? We have four, we're probably we're going to have, going to have five with Ovechkin. He's at 46 now. Um, who, who's the best goal scorer in the game right now? Is it still Ovechkin or is it Austin Matthews? Uh, I think you got to go with Austin Matthews taking that, nice. that over, you know, listen, I mean, Ovechkin's 36 years old and he's still, still going to put up 50. Still he's still going to put up 50 goals, which is, cont- it, it, it's JR like, best goal I mean, scorer ever, best goal scorer ever. 
there's only one guy that comes to mind um, that I would that I would say would um, be a guy that would be in that situation or in that in that in, in that in discussion that is is um, Mike, Mike Bossy. Bossy. Yeah, go look at his goals to, to yeah, games. His, his, his so I'm gonna give you a couple names of, of people that if what they would have played a full career could have been up there. Mike Bossy, Pavel Bure, and Pat Lafontaine. I mean, those, those three guys, if they didn't have shortened careers, would have put up ridiculous numbers. You were leaving Murray, out. You were arguably I, hold on, leaving hold out. Hold on. Hold on. Oh. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Yarmir Yager, if he doesn't go to Russia for three years, I mean, look at his goal. Look at his goal. His goal marks. Uh, it's, what's he, second in goals in, in, in history? And he missed three years by going over to Russia. Um, There's one more. There's one more mega, mega star that is like. Eric Lindros? Eric no, Lindros? No. If this guy actually was healthy. Avo Bure. No. If this guy said, was healthy said, for one, two. And this guy took three years off and came back and still put up ridiculous numbers. Mario. Lemire. Mario. Your he buddy. played 915 games. He has 690 goals. If he plays 1,400 games, that's another that's another 500 games. That's another 250 goals. He's at 910. If he plays, if he plays another 400 games, yeah, yeah. best goal scorer. Like Mario Lemieux, he played 915 games. He had 1,723 points. He was the highest, I think, point per game guy until he came back um, the last couple of years. But to me, I mean, if Mario stays healthy, yeah. by the way, that 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 that's that puts yeah that puts it into perspective, man. That's insane. Like if that's Mario wrong. comes back and plays 500 more games, he's got. 800 more points. He might, you know, he's at, he doesn't pass Gretzky, but he might pass his goals. Right. So anyway, sorry to interrupt boys, but I just can't, can't I can't have a conversation about great hockey of players you can. <laughs> without throwing in. Well, Mario well Lemieux. Thrown in. Well thrown in. And by the way, shame on us for even not even considering him in that situation. But yes. Uh, and, and the Mike bossy, the Mike bossy one, what do you have? 10, 50 goals in 13, 13 seasons. What did Bossy have? That that was incre- incredible. Well, well, Bossy's last season was cut short, and I think he was on pace for another sixty goal season or something. I'll pull it up right now. He had, he had, uh, so he scored fifty. 53, 69, 51, 68, 64, 60, 51, 58, 61. And then he had 38 and 63 games before he got, before he got hurt and, and uh, you know, shut it down. 573 goals in 752 games. I mean, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. No, but I'm glad to see it. It's fun. It's fun to watch again in the game, watching these guys score 50 goals. And I don't know. I don't know what the real, the big change was because we went through such a drought of guys not being able to hit 50 with the exception of Ovechkin. 
you know, now we got, you know, we're going to have five this year um, once Ovechkin gets there. But it's been been a lot of fun to watch, man. I'll tell you what. Just like, I mean, Alex Ovechkin came into this league and had 52 goals and 106 points. And he is now like, what is he? 36 years old. He's got, uh, his team has what? 10 games left, Petey? Uh, no, 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 no. He's got, he's got 90, almost 90 points, right? He has 85 points right now. Nine games left. Nine games left. He has 85 points, 46 goals. He's 36 years old. Sick. When, who's the last guy to score 50 goals that's over the age of 35? Do we have no, that? I, I, I mean, I don't know if, if we have one. That's a great question. We'll have to check that out. Wow. I, I mean, he might be the oldest 50 goal scorer ever. I mean, it's like I, when you I, look I, at his career. Me personally, me personally, I think Alex Ovechkin is the best goal scorer I've ever seen. To score the amount of goals that he has scored consistently in the, in the level of play that the National Hockey League is with how good the goaltenders are, how in shape they are, how great the skaters are. Um, I think it's harder to score goals now than ever before because of that talent all the way across the board. Right. I mean, when when I was playing, when I was playing, listen, I had third and fourth lines and and fifth and sixth D men that I could really chop, you know, chomp at the bit to get at because I knew I had a really good chance of scoring a goal because they fucking sucked. You don't really have guys like in the game now that, you look at and be like, they suck. I'm going to score a goal. The sixth defenseman in this league nowadays, even the, even the seven and eight defensemen, the guys that are in the stands that aren't even playing, they're healthy scratched are they're so They're exceptionally good players. Uh, now now I even, know how, now if, I know. Hold what, on, even if they're not, even if they're not smart, they're fast, they're strong. They're, yeah. you know, they're agile all that stuff, but go ahead, Petey. I know you're going to rip me. Go ahead. I'm not going to, I'm going to rip myself. Actually. I'm going to say now I know what Jr. was thinking when he rolled over the boards to come play a shift <laughs> against Andrew. As soon as, you jumped, as soon as you jumped over the boards, I looked at coach, coach, put me on. Coach, <laughs> coach, coach Pe- put me on. <laughs> Peter's line is out there. We need a goal. <laughs> put me on now. <laughs> What an asshole. Yeah. Uh, what an I absolute never, I asshole. Would, I, would, I would never do that to you, Petey. Oh. At, least tell you, at least tell you that I did. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. You say you didn't, but you, but really you did. You probably so can remember good. doing it. But oh, that's, funny. Um, that's funny shit. Uh, you know what, though? I mean, like, like Matthews, I mean you just, you look at his numbers and, and you're just thinking that in the, won't, like, won't, what has it been 20 years or how many 60 goal scores have we had in the last 20 years? Ovi and Ovi maybe. Stamkos. Stamkos. Oh, Stamkos. That's Stamkos right. Stamkos had 60. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're going to have, I don't know how many hundred point guys we're going to get this year. I mean, you, you should expect Matthews to get it. Matthew Kachuk is eight away. Kaprizov's nine away. Marner's 10 points away. And then you have Panarin, who's 12 points away. So, I mean, I don't know where the cutoff is, but it just just looking around the league, even last night at the scores, JR, 5-2, 5-4, 4-2, 3-2, 4-2, 9-2, 5-4, you know, 4-1, 5-1, a couple one nothing. 
Yeah. Six two. Yeah. Ah. Like the game's in a great place right now. So how many, so Austin Matthews is at 58 and how many games does Toronto have left? Nine games. So does he have the ability to score 12 to get the 70? He just did it. He just had like 12 and seven games. Like look at his last, his, his last streak. Like he, he put up, he's put up some serious numbers over the last 15 games. Do you know how many 70 goal scores there there's been? I would say 10. There's only three 80 goal scores. So I would say Brett Hall scored 70. Yeah. Tamu Solani scored 70. Brett Hall scored 80 one year. Hall, Lemieux, yeah. and Gretzky are all are yeah. the only eighty goal scorers in the history of the game. Good point. Good stat. Uh, did Andrew Chuck or Robitaille ever score seventy? Hall uh, scored eighty six in seventy eight games one year. Eighty six goals, man. Sick. So, who are the players that scored seventy, Petey? I, I don't I don't know that number off the top of my head. I, I to be honest with you. Uh so a couple guys that that Murray maybe scored he, 70. What's that, Jeremy? Yeah, yeah, Tamu Solane scored 70. I know that. His um, rookie year, he scored 76, didn't he? 72, I think. 72, 76, maybe. Yeah. 70, like 76 goals. So that was his uh that was his rookie year. Timo Solani scored 76. You have Alexander McGilney who scored 76. Wow. There's a, uh, there's a shocker. Brett Hall scored 70. Bobby Hall scored 77. Mario Lemieux scored over 70. Yari Curry scored 70 oh. with, he scored 71. Wayne Gretzky obviously had, uh, 83, 87, 94. 73, 90, what was it? 90, 94, 94, 94, 94, by the way, the two worst skaters in the history of best goal scorers, Luke Robitaille and Bernie Nichols, how they fucking scored so many goals is so beyond me. They, they were just so smart, so good, such good accuracy shooters. And by the way, Bernie Nichols had a terrible stick, awful stick, terrible stick. Luke Robitaille, Luke Robitaille assisted on my hat trick goal on Sean Burke in that charity game in Arizona with a Brad May put on. Do you remember? Yeah, I scored I three goals that game, Jeremy. And Mike Tyson, <laughs> Mike, Mike Tyson comes down to the room after and he's yeah. walking through me. All he, all he kept saying, Rip, Tyson's walking there. Where's Jeremy? Where's Jeremy? I want to, where's Jeremy? <laughs> so I got, I got a Mike Tyson story, right? So I'm the first time I met Mike, um, we're in, we're in a club in, in Arizona 
and I fought, I'm walking past this table and all of a sudden somebody grabs me by the shoulder, like over the railing and it's, and it's Tyson. And he goes, Hey, JR, come up and sit with me. Come up, come up, have a drink with me. Come on, man, get up here. So I go up there and he's like, he starts talking to me, man, you, you fucking hockey guys, man, you guys are fucking crazy, man. You got, you fucking skate on that ice and you're, you, 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 you got no teeth. I'm fucking, you guys are fucking crazy. I box, but I could not fucking play hockey. You guys are fucking crazy. No teeth running around, hitting each other with those sticks. God damn you guys. I love hockey. I'm like, he was sitting, he, he was sitting against the glass in, in, uh, at that charity game. And I went over like, you know, cause we're there to entertain. Right. And I'm there and, uh, I went over and banged on the glass and I start challenging him through the glass. He had the tattoo on his face and everything, obviously like we're screwing around, but, um, oh yeah. I just remember he comes down. Him. He comes down I in the room. Him. He's like, where's Jeremy at? Where's Jeremy? I'm like, Mike, Mike, come on, have one beer with me. I just want to say I had a beer with Mike Tyson. He's like, no, I'm in training. I guess he was, he was still yeah. fighting back then. Yeah. Well, I, I, I passed him right riding down um, one of the streets in Arizona. So he's running by himself, by the way, he's jogging and I'm driving down the road and I see him and I stop and he pulls and he runs up next to the car. I put the, the window down and I'd say, what's up, Mike? And Mike, reaches he comes into hey jr what's happening man i'm getting ready gonna kick some ass gonna kick some ass man he says you good god bless you jr god bless you jr he's like seriously like he's he's awesome people man mike tyson is awesome people i love him absolutely love him i do but funny story that's funny story i I couldn't believe how thick he was how wide he was when i met him i mean i i just to, to What's see he doing financially, Jr. Oh, good. Like, yeah, didn't he, he have he, like uh, he did? He blew he, through I mean, like four hundred million and had tigers and yeah, whole yeah shoot match he animals. Through, uh, he went through a dark time, you know, where he was, you know, not taking care of his money and he was just having a blast. But he's 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 really gotten some really good um, some good people around him, some good financial guys people that are making sure that they're taking care of the money that he's making, you know, cause he's involved in a lot of different things. And, um, you know, you see him, you see him done on television. He's in movies. He's doing, he went around and did a, a whole show uh, in Vegas, which was really funny, a stand up show, which was great, but financially he has people watching over him now and he's doing, he's doing much better. You know, I think he's happy and you know, he, I think he's involved in a weed company too. And, you know, I think he's, you know, he makes sure that every, he makes sure that every, every product that they put out is really good. If you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I heard he's in, he's into the a weed company, yeah. but you know what? Like talk about a guy who had, he had a rough, he had a rough life, man. He had a rough, when his, he had a rough when his daughter, life. When his daughter passed away was like one of the worst, worst things ever. I mean, it was, it was a terrible time and he's, you know, I think he's opened his eyes up to a lot of things in life because of what has happened to him. Well, didn't he do a Broadway show about his whole life or something? Like where it he bro- it was, it was a stand-up. It was through Vegas. Yeah, it was Vegas. He might have gone in New York and done it too, but it was he did it in Vegas for sure. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was like uh, I, I have not seen it, but I always thought it was like the. It was called the Undisputed Truth, where he 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 went around. I thought he was doing like interviews about like talking about his life and. 
everything he went through, but maybe it was a, maybe there was a stand up routine it was, as well. It was literally, yeah, it was literally a show. I mean, it was him standing on stage yeah. in front of thousands of people talking about his life. Yeah. Pretty, and he was, was yeah, he, he was killing it too. Like it, it was like, it was like a top seller. I even think it was on HBO. They might've even aired a, a feature of it on HBO. Um, but anyway, uh, what's, ha- hey, what's happening, what's happening in some of these races here, they're coming down. I haven't really looked at the, the standings and I don't, what's who's, who's in jeopardy right now in the West. We so last, the last night you had uh, yeah, cool. Dallas, yeah. Yeah, Dallas beat Tampa Bay one nothing, and Vegas lost. And Vegas, and Vegas lost. lost in overtime. So I mean, the the Vegas odds. Now remember, here in Buffalo, Jr. The Sabers have that first round pick in the in the Eichel trade. So if it's if it's ten or higher, <laughs> and they miss the playoffs, the the Sabers will get the pick. If it's in the top ten, it'll be it'll defer to next year because it's uh, top ten protected. But um, Vegas on the outside looking in right now by about uh, three points and Dallas wow. and Nashville both have games in hand. Wow. Yeah. You know, Nashville wow. seems to be a much stronger team. Dallas there for, for a little while, they, they lost a bunch of games. They had uh, four games in hand over Vegas where they could have really, really capitalized and, and pushed uh, Vegas right out of the playoffs with those games. But they've kind of faltered a little bit uh, the last little while. They've won their last two, which has been good for, for Dallas. But, I mean, the next game in hand is, is massive because you, you have Vegas Golden Knights only have eight games left, okay? And Dallas Stars, they have nine games left. They need to win that next game. That will put them even games with Dallas, uh, with Vegas, but up five points with wow. eight games to play. Wow! And you know how hard it is uh, to, oh. to 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 kind of close out those uh, the season. So you know, make up maybe making up five points with when you have three point games in this league is very very difficult. Right? That's very, really hard. Very much. But you know, wow. I I. I thought I read something or heard something. Maybe you uh, heard the same thing, but um, I thought Mark Stone was supposed to be very close to coming back. Did you hear anything about that? Uh, I haven't, but um, I could find out very, very, very easily whether that's the case, but um, he has been out for a long time and it would not surprise me if he's getting close. Tell you the truth. That would be that would be a very very big add to their their lineup. He's their captain. Um, he's a great great player. He's yeah. he's the guy that they need for these last these last eight games. Yeah. If they want to have just, any he, shot, even just even just energy wise, even yes. just mentality wise, right? Not even if he's not not at playing shape because you know how hard it is when you don't play for that amount of time. Having him in that locker room and on the ice changes the whole perspective of the team. So yeah, I totally totally agree with you. Well, it's going to be interesting. What a what a crit. And I don't think I'll tell you this. I, I love the Golden Knights. They're one of my favorite teams. I I I wouldn't enjoy the playoffs as much if they weren't in it. I'm just saying that I'll still enjoy them. But I love having Vegas in the playoffs. I just do. So I love the way that that city is, has supported them. When everybody said that Vegas wouldn't support a pro a pro team, and they have. It's going to be fun to watch. Did you see Just our so boy you know, Mark Stone did play last game. 
Perfect. There he is. There's yep. your answer. He played last Good. game, so. Perfect. He's back then. That, that's did, your answer. Did you see our boy did spit and chiclets the other day? <clears throat> Which one? River. River was on spit and chiclets oh, the other day. Oh, did you? Riv, how, how, aren't those guys great? I love it. Yeah, them. they're great. So, so we did back to back. You you and I did it the same week that we yep. did? Yeah. I love it. Talk about a big week and spit and chiclets. Woo. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it. it was good. It was really so, good. So River went on, he told a story about uh, Patrick Waugh and, you know, Riv was playing in Montreal and, you know, he tried to give you the quick, you know, synopsis of the story. Basically, you know, Riv was at the rink alone. He's trying on all Patrick Waugh's gear, you know, his gloves, his helmet and everything. And he's like, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, and all of a sudden Patrick Waugh comes in. Did did, did you have a threesome with Patrick Waugh, Riv? Is that the story? <laughs> so, so, so river that yeah, was, it was ribs, Patrick Waugh and the equipment. Um, and he's like trying on all the gear and he goes and Waugh comes in and he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, he goes, Oh, it's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And Patrick said, no, 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 go ahead. Do what you got to do. And then he, you know, he finished up and goes, yeah, you're done. You're good. Yeah. Don't ever touch my fucking equipment again. He says to him, right. So it brought I mean, me, to- I, I was only up for a couple of days. Like I, I had played my first game and my second game, I was like one of the first guys at the rink. Where, where um, was this in Montreal? This was in Montreal. This was in the forum. And, uh, I was the only guy in the dressing room. I had walked into the dressing room as all peaceful as great. And, you know, guys have their stuff laid out and, and Patrick's wall. I was, I sat like right across from Patrick Waugh or kitty corner to him. And I walked over to his glove and his blocker and, and I just picked it up and I put it on and I started giving the old like uh phantom, uh, you know, playing road <laughs> hockey sort of thing. And all of a sudden in he walks and I was like, Oh, oh my, oh, I'm so sorry. This night he goes, Oh no, don't worry about it. Yeah. Just, you know, keep trying them. So I'm like, you know, talking to him this and that. And all of a sudden I give him the stuff back. He lays it down perfectly and he looks at me, he goes, don't ever fucking touch my stuff again. <laughs> it's the only words he said to me my entire time that I was up. So I'm on the phone with Riv last night. And I, <laughs> that, is, that is so funny. Tell me, tell me what you felt like inside. No, you I, probably fucking stomach fell. The worst feeling? <laughs> the worst feeling I have ever had in all the years I've played the game of hockey. In any environment, any game was that moment right there because I like he was larger than life. Hey, did you go back to the corner and go, that was not smart. That That was was not not smart. smart. He walked (laughs) he walked out of the room. I went to my stall and sat down. And I literally was like, What did I just do? What did I just do? But oh, Riff, by, the, by the way, we just gave a good movie, a good movie quote. He, he has no <laughs> idea. He has, he has no idea. That was not. Smart. Dr. Wiley, don't hang up. It's Bob. <laughs> Dr. Wiley, don't hang up. <laughs> hey, Dr. Marvin, it's Betty calling from Switchboard. We have your sister on the line. What movie, Riff? Doctor. That was not smart. That was not smart. That's what about Bob? What about Bob? Probably one of the greatest Bill Murray movies of yeah. all time. Um, but that, so, that's how you felt. That's how you felt for sure after you touched. Uh, Patrick said that to you. 
That yeah. was not smart. I shouldn't have done that. I really shouldn't have done that. So it brought it brought me to thinking. It brought me to thinking. I was telling Riv, I'm like, oh, we got to get Jr. to tell the story about when Patrick Waugh said to him about or the, they were going at it through the the media in the playoffs yeah. about the Stanley Cup plug in the ear, yeah. and he's like, wait, that was Jr. I said, yeah, you didn't know that was Jeremy. He was like, good to hear Jeremy. What what sparked all that? Because in game in game three, I scored a beautiful breakaway goal and just absolutely burned, ripped and burned Patrick Waugh in a breakaway and scored. In game four, we're in overtime, and I have a clear all-out breakaway. All-out breakaway, just me and Patrick Waugh in overtime. And by the way, we're up two games to one, and I'm on a breakaway in game four. And Sanders Ozelinch comes from behind and pushes – pushes the back of my foot and I trip and I go spiraling into the corner. No penalty shot call. It is without question the worst, worst non penalty shot call in hockey history, history. And I ripped the refs. I went in the locker room after and said, I can't believe they didn't score. They didn't call a penalty shot on that. And you know, they went over to Patrick and said, Jerry, I was rip shit that they didn't call a penalty shot. And, and Patrick goes, it doesn't matter. I would have saved it anyway. So they came back to me and told me what Patrick said. I said, oh, yeah, Patrick, where were you in game three when I absolutely toasted your ass and put your jock strap up in the rafters? And then you get back to him. And then they said, well, I don't heard what Jeremy Roenick say because the two Stanley Cup ring, block, ring blocking my ear. And then they came back to me and I said, Please tell Patrick Waugh that there, there are plurals with rings. So he only has both of them in one ear. They can hear me with his other one. <laughs> we just went back and forth, back and forth. And it was awesome. I love Patrick Waugh. He, he was one of my favorite competitors. But that was a good banter back and forth. So there were no- look at that. But look at that. You guys can go on YouTube and you can find, you know, Jeremy Ronick getting tripped against Colorado. Sanders Ozelinch pushes my back of my foot. You can see it plain as day. And my hope, I fall with my feet forward on a breakaway. Like, does a referee fucking think that I fucking threw myself backwards on a breakaway and no penalty shot call? It is, I'm going to repeat again. It is the worst non-penalty shot call in NHL history. Still bothers me. So Speaking there was, there's no like Jr. There's no real beef there though with you and Wah. No, no. Patrick and I are great friends. We're good okay. friends. Okay. We, okay. we love we love that we love to compete against each other. And I would score a goal on him, and he would lose his mind. He'd get so pissed, and then I he'd make a save on me, and I would be so pissed. We had a good we had a good banter back and forth with each other, and, and a friendship and competitiveness. It was it was he's great. Go he's ahead, awesome. Riff. What were you gonna say? I was just going to talk about the uh, the NHL referees right now. Obviously, there there's a, a little bit of concern with uh, some of the calls that uh, that are being made this year. Um, something that was uh, you know talked about and addressed at the uh, GM meetings in Florida this year. You know what? Wh- why do you think that? And and watching some of the calls this year, it's just kind of like, what is going on here right now? Yeah. Do you think it's just because there's kind of like a transition of some of these younger 
um, up and coming referees where they're just kind of like getting their feet wet because there's a lot of new roughs. There's a lot of guys that I don't know. hundred percent. I think it's twofold. I think that's, that's mainly the reason is because there are so many young guys and they're getting, they're trying to get a, uh, adapted to the NHL style, the NHL speed being out there, being in front of as many people as they are, the scrutiny that is under a ref, uh, you know, a refs, um, you know, persona every single, every single night by the, by the fans. There's, there's a lot of pressure to be a referee. It's not an easy job, man. You got to give them a lot of credit for doing the job that they do when you know, yes. you have, when you take human error into consideration and the speed of that and the things that happen in this game, I mean, there's split second things that they have to make decisions on. Yeah. So I think the fact that they're young and they're learning is one, but I also think, I also think that the national hockey league and I think the game in, in general is tr- are trying to get rid of so many things to protect the players. And there are so many judgment calls that, that they, they feel that they either they're going to get chastised for not calling it or they're, they don't know whether it's, whether it was a headshot, whether the elbow got up, they're viewing it as the player goes hurt because granted, let's not, let's not kid each other. These guys, when they get hit in the face, they're at their antics and they're acting and the way that they go down and flail there are Every some soccer get, players that are playing in the NHL. There's no question. A stick, a stick comes up in the mouth, up in the mouth, and whether it hits them or not, and they they're all over the place. They drop their gloves. They go down. They perform the. They perform. You know, either maybe to try to get a penalty call, or because they don't like to feel the pain or the shock of getting hit in the face. I don't know what it is, but there's a lot more um, performances yeah. on the ice nowadays than there ever was for whatever the reason is, whether it's the type of, whether it's the type of person that plays the game now or the mentality. Do you like that? Do you like that? part? I of it? hate it. Well, I, you had I, Gallagher, you had Gallagher come out and criticize Stutzel from Ottawa. He basically yeah. said, you know, when I was a kid, if you laid down on the, on the ice, yeah. you know, you were too hurt to play. The coach made you sit three shifts. So it made you think about whether or not Gallagher. you were going to stay down. Good for Gallagher. Exactly. And he's not a big guy, right? And I'll tell you oh, right now, that is one little warrior right there. I'll, that take is him on a my, I'll take him on my team, 365, 24-7. Yes, that sir. Kid is a, that kid is gamer to the game. That's, but he made a Brian great Gallagher. point because they were playing yeah. Ottawa, and every time they play Ottawa, you have this very young player, incredible player in Stitzel. But every time he gets hurt, he goes down, he's on the ice, he's holding his mouth, he's doing this, he gets to the yep. bench, and all of a sudden they're on the power play. Guess who's out in the power play? Yep. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, there are players, too, that, that the stick comes up high. It might hit them, you know, in the shoulder, and all of a sudden they go down and pretend like they got hit in the mouth. And these referees are watching these performances, and sometimes they're guessing, right? They're guessing whether it was a penalty. And so I think, I think, you know, again, the referees have a really, really tough job. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it. You got to give them credit, but I, 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 you know, I'll give them, I'll give them credit. I think, I think they'll get better, but I think it's like the transition from the, you know, from, from the guys that we were with to the new, to the new regime. Well, I think, I think think there needs to be a shift with some of the officiating. And I think what it needs to be is, 
I think you need to get former players to become referees because they understand the league. They understand the players. They understand it all. And I mean, like I'm a prime example. I'm big. I can skate, you know, go find a, go find guys that are just, I retired when I was 30. You know, I had lots of legs left. Go find yeah. these guys that, that can. It's, it's actually a great point. It's a great point. Like, it's a great like point. You gr- yeah. you're grooming these, these referees to come up. They go through referee clinic, referee clinic. But I mean, they haven't played in, in big games before. They haven't played in pressure moments. They haven't played at the highest level. Some of them maybe have. I think Dean Morton was drafted in the NHL. But, but like you, you should go and find guys that know the game and understand the game. So when you're seeing something, maybe you can see it for what it is versus, you know, just the penalty that you may or may not call. You know what I mean? That's, that's where I stand on that because, and and then the second thing is you need to separate the refs. They need to be their own entity. They can't be associated with the league. They can't be under the league umbrella. They almost have to be independent contractors because the league, these guys are under a spotlight. So they're, no, they're, they're protected. They're protected. So they're almost, they're under a spotlight, but they are so protected by the national hockey league. Like God forbid you ever rip a referee or throw a bottle at a referee. You. Exactly. Or, you know, $25,000 fine to a coach for saying the refs suck tonight. Like yeah. if they weren't so associated, why isn't there, why isn't there a press conference for the referees after so they can <sighs> ask some it. questions about why they, why they, I mean, they have to have accountability too for, for doing a bad job as well as NHL guys. Yeah. But again, um, you're, we're, we're all sitting here talking out both sides of our mouth. One minute you're saying that they need to be, uh, you know, up on a press conference because the guy made a human well, error call. You, and then the other, think- the other side, when we were talking about the refs, you said Jr. that they have like an extremely hard job, and it's very yep. like I I but believe don't, don't I like think, the idea. I think you should be fined if you're you're going to go rip on the refs. I, I I think that you can't because once you open that Pandora's box, I'm going to tell you right now, it is going to be nightly that you're going to have refs go. You're going to have uh, coaches go off on these refs if that, that okay. So let me ask you a question. Game. and that let would make for great entertainment. Okay. By the way, and by the way, and let me ask you a question. Do you think accountability makes people better? Do you think that they are, they are accountable needed? because when they do make a bad error, a bad judgment, those guys have to do video. They have to talk to the, the, the top guy. It's not like they make a bad call. And now all of a sudden, ah, oh, that's just in that game. You sweep it under the rug and I go to the next game. These guys are doing video on the games, on the calls that they screwed up so they can see it and understand it and get better at it. That's why it's, it's, it's like these, some of these guys in the league, so, I don't even so know who they are. So you, so you're saying they're accountable within the referees system. Yes. But I'm, okay. Is that, is, is that, an, is that enough to make them, is that, is that suitable for the fan who wants, wants answers who pays all the bills? Like yes. I watched that game last night and um, I can't remember who it was. And the Sabres got a hooking penalty on Austin Matthews, one, nothing game. It's a one, nothing game. And uh, there's this lame ass hooking call on, I think it might've been Dylan cousins. I think it was Dylan cousins, but it's like a, it's a lame call. And, I, and, and you know, the first thing that came into my mind, we're in Toronto. 
we're in Toronto. You know, I remember, I remember Lindy used to always say, we're not going to get the calls here in Toronto. You got Toronto here, the leagues here, they're, they're watching, you know, we're on the big stage. It's like, you know, the refs are going to, they're going to play to the fan, uh, to the fans here in Toronto. I mean, I want that call explained after a game. What'd you see? Cause there's no penalty there. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's, again, I, I think Riv makes a really good point. There's no question about that. But I think in the big scheme of things, all the way around, if you ask the fans, which are the most important part of this whole thing, because they're the ones that pay their hard-earned money to come watch. And if it wasn't for the fan, we would be at a local, a local arena um, men's league with a designated beer guy. I mean, that's just plain and simple. And if the fans don't get any answers ever, from the referees. It just, it becomes the banter at the, at the, at the neighborhood pub the next day. You know, I mean, I just think accountability. Sometimes players have accountability. We have, you know, the referees should have accountability because we don't see it. We don't see what their accountability is. The only thing that we do see Riv is some guys might not have playoff work because yes. of their ratings. Right. That's, yeah. And that, that I do know what they have, but listen, there's going to yeah. be, like you said before, there, there is a young group of referees that are coming into the game. They're inserted into the game. It's just like having a rookie come into the game, uh, to start for, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to have to learn the league. He's going to have to learn the players. He's going to have to learn the buildings. He's going to have to feel comfortable. And once you gain, um, confidence in your game, you become better at what you do. It's the same thing for a referee. The game is extremely fast. It's never been faster. You are going to have human error, just like we've had th- since the start of time. And these guys are have the hardest job that they've ever had because the game's so quick now. Okay, so they're going to make human to, errors. So does, so does that mean that video replay, as much as people hate to stop the game? Can you go to the video replay to make sure they get it right? Or well, have they do. Conversation? They do go get it right. Not on all calls. Not, not, yeah, not so much on penalty calls, you know, to make sure they get it right. But, like, you do, you want, do you want to take out the human error in this game? I, I, don't, I don't. I don't either. I don't I either. Don't. So let's just leave the referees alone and, alone and say, these are the very best guys in the world these are handpicked guys that have had to go through training and the whole shooting match. Let's just leave them alone. Let me ask you a question because I don't know the answer to this. And I, I would like to know. Um, And I do think that the referees, I have seen the referees kind of huddle up and have a conversation about things, but you know, at some point, do you think that, that the linesman, even though that's not their job, but if they caught something that the referee missed is, is are there? Yeah. They need more power. The, the linesmen need more power. In my opinion, you can't just be on the high stick hey, five listen, minutes. Did you listen, see it? You miss. Yeah. Hey, listen, you know, I know they call too many men on the ice. They have that ability, but if the referee missed the high stick and you know, the whistle blows, you know, that ref, that, that linesman goes over to say hey, that, you know, that stick clipped, you know, what's his name right in the, right in the head and or right in the mouth. Yeah. And you know, that was, a, that was a penalty. And if they have, if they have the four, they have the four working together and the refer and the linesman can actually aid the ref. If they miss a call, there might be more calls. But then again, you don't want well, the whole, now, the whole now you're putting a, not, now you want the whole game being power play, right? Now you're so, going to have four different personalities. Now you're going to have four different guys that have the ability to make calls. It's, 
listen, I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind watching a game and the next day being pissed off at a ref because he screwed up a call. I don't mind that because that is what you call human error. And we get to actually talk about it by the water cooler. If you're at work or, or whatever you're doing, you're talking with your buddies and you can sit there and go, this is horseshit. That was a terrible call last night. Guess what? Yeah, get over it. Sports. Get over it. Sports. Move forward. Yeah. And let's just look to the next yeah. game. These guys have Great a hard points, job. Man. All Great right. Last, last thing we'll say. Did you see Hartman gave Evander Kane the bird last night? Did he really? So in, yeah. So things got a little what? heated between, yeah, the things got a little heated between Minnesota and uh, Edmonton. And so here are the quotes. So, this is from Evander Kane. It took all five guys and they couldn't bring me down. Um, I definitely would have liked to get loose, put it that uh, I definitely would have liked to have get, gotten loose, put it that way. These little guys, they want to act tough, but they wait for the linesman to come in. There's your, there's your quote guys. And then Ryan Hartman said, it goes to show we had five guys in there. They, they didn't have one guy in there to help them. I don't think any of their guys are going to defend him. And on the way, on the way, as he's being escorted to the penalty box, he literally has his hand, his arm out and he's, he's got his middle finger up at a Vander Kane. I love it. Really? Everyone's saying like, Oh, this is bad. You know, you got kids watching and stuff. I'm like, God, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the bird, man. I mean, it's it's the all time slogan for that's, I don't like you. Worst, if, if that's the worst that kids are going to see, then <laughs> then the the parents have it have it made right now with the stuff they see on the internet and the stuff that they hear at school and the stuff that they hear their parents say, flipping the bird off. Like, give me a break. I'm going to tell you right yeah. now. When was the last time you've seen someone give the bird to somebody? <laughs> I thought I that I thought I that bird was instinct. Same here. I was I at a stoplight the other day. I gave somebody the bird. <laughs> I did it in the car oh, the other day. There, there's, there's a guy that was tailgating me. I swear to God, he was like this far off my ass, right? And I slammed on the brakes, and he gets he starts yelling, and I'm just like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> I had this guy yesterday, last night. I I'm literally driving down the road. Uh, in Orchard Park here, I got this guy in this big Beamer 750, you know, cruise. He's right on my ass. And I'm going 35 and a 30, okay? And he's right on my ass. And I'm like, oh, I need gas. And I just quickly kind of slowed down and, th- and, and turned right. Like, I had my blinker on. And he, you could see him in the mirror. He's like giving me one of these. I just, I put my, my hand out right through the sunroof. And pfft, here you go, bud. Eat that for about half a second. And then pull into the gas station if you're really feeling tough. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the last time I saw my, my, someone. My, my, my wife gets really, really mad at me when I do that stuff in the car because people with their road rage, you just don't know what people are going to do. They'll pull and gun out, shoot you without even thinking twice. Yeah, but oh, well, that's, that's funny. Well, listen, I, listen, I, I like that kind of banter back and forth. I mean, Hartman and couldn't, couldn't do it to a better guy with uh, Evander Kane, so... You know, Evander Kane should probably just play hockey, not worry about all that crap, right? He's he's lucky to be in the league right now. <laughs> You're smiling over there, Riv. No, it's uh, I'm I'm still going back to an NHL player giving the bird to another player. I just I'm like, really? That's that's what we're doing now is flipping birds. So, <laughs> all right. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. 
Now we know they're still birds in hockey, not in Augusta. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Circling exactly. right back like like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> Every episode of this is like a Seinfeld episode. They're birds episode. in the NHL, but not in Augusta. What a way to finish a it's, great Wednesday. It's um it's unbelievable though. I mean, I'm with Riff. I mean, when was the last time you saw a player flick a flick a, flick a guy the bird? You know what I mean? No, like just no, just no. yell fuck off, you know? Anyway. Yeah. Great well, stuff, JR. Stuff. So, last thing I'll say to you: I mean, we're always going to give you a chance to to plug something. But you're are you linked up there with uh, the betting company? Yeah, with Points Bet. Yeah, just did a just did a little promo for him, and uh, you know, you know me with gambling and and all that kind of stuff. So, Points Bet was nice enough to reach out and say, um, "You want to help us out?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." So. I would highly suggest all up in Canada, baby points bet through Canada. It's good. good so now will you be doing like a regular gambling uh, segment you'll put out there daily or what pick your JR's picks of the day? Still, still out there. We don't know exactly what's going to go on, but um, can you, it's, can it's, you it's, give it's us a, a lock of the day here for tonight? Is there give me a the lock? games. Give me the games. The games are. So for JR's lock of the day, we got uh, Rangers, Philly, Montreal at Columbus and then Los Angeles at Colorado. I'm going to take Columbus over Montreal in overtime. You have to call it in overtime when you're betting. Well, there is a bet that that, that's a regulation bet and one that includes overtime and they're different odds. So you get better odds if you pick them in regulation rather than in overtime. So, but I'm going to think, I'm going to, this is a tough night. I mean, obviously it's easy to go Colorado over LA. LA's playing pretty good though. Um, I'll tell you what, Flyers need to rebound after that shellacking that they took the other day, uh, yesterday to Washington and Rangers are coming in. Don't be surprised if Flyers just nip the Rangers tonight and with, with a good, good, probably good plus odds. It might be plus 185 or something like that. That you could probably not bad. Plus to get. 170. So mm, might not be good enough to bet bet on Philly, but um, and I don't know is 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 that Mike Yost that idiot still coaching them? Because <laughs> if he is, then take them take the Rangers. Um, no, I think I think Columbus is is the call tonight. Do you Columbus follow uh, the NBA? Do you bet on the NBA no. at all? No? no, no, no. Okay, all right. I haven't I haven't, I haven't watched an NBA game in since Jordan five played years. five years. Yeah. I, I watched the, I watched the NBA probably every night. My little guys got me into it. A huge basketball fan. And I, I, I follow the NBA closely. So that's so what just, you, uh, you put that on for uh, you guys to f- fall asleep at night. Is that what you think? The NBA is pretty <laughs> exciting, man. I'm not going to lie to hey, you. They, it's time for bed, Brody here. Let's uh, get the game on. And uh, they, they do it right. They are entertaining. The NBA is, is the most entertaining sporting event right now. In my opinion, what you watching literally on crack. That, it, there agree, you go. Look at Jr. You, you gotta be freaking shitting me right now. That you're agree, gonna say that the end. Oh my! Like I'm not even. I'm not commenting. No, yeah, me neither. You're trying to get me one. Great chatting with you guys. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter After the Whistle and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator 76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.